Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Outer Sanctum would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present, and we recognise that they are the originators of the game we love, Margrook. of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Groundbreakers, history makers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. Do you like finals at Punt Road? Or getting caught in a storm. <laughs> my name is Emma Race, and today we will answer those questions and more with my football-loving sisters of the sanctum. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, I'm Rana Hussein. Hello, I'm Lucy Race. Hello, my love loves. So many sporting highlights to choose from across this weekend, but let's stick a pin in the T20 World Cup, the Matildas and the rugby and zoom in on our delicious AFLW highlights to kick this off because it is the middle of the finals. It's hard to keep your focus because we have just been here (laughs) so if you're feeling a little bit deja vu that's why Uh, North of course defeated Richmond by 36 points with Jazz Garner just in an absolute cracker and Adelaide way too good for the pies with an update to the fastest goal from the previous week which was very interesting I'm going to come to you first for your highlights Loose Wheel. Well hello Uh, my highlight this week is that champions are going to (laughs) champion And you alluded to Jazz Garner there in your little intro, M. Jazz Garner, who I think was pretty well held in the round 10 draw between North Melbourne and the Tigers, um, particularly in that first half, came out with some fire in the belly. She'd taken out the coach's award for the best player of the competition. Um, she finished nine votes ahead of Monique Conti and Georgia Presbarkas. But she came into that game and she looked like she was ready to, you know, really make a statement. And I think she did. She finished on 22 disposals. She kicked two goals. That goal celebration, you could just see how much this meant to her. And uh, she also had a bit of a post-match backhander where she dropped the F-bomb and said we something love playing at this ground, uh, which is true because the North Melbourne record of 100% wins at Punt Road continues. So uh, I, I wonder how that will factor into any decision-making in the future. To match her, I think Anne Hatchard also did the same thing. She had a very quiet first quarter and then after that long rain delay of about, I think it was 43 minutes, she came out and she just looked ready for business. I thought it was funny in a way that she was wearing the long sleeve because she looked like she was wearing a rashy, which was totally appropriate because it looked like we were on a little holiday outing to Wet and Wild. She actually took off that long sleeve and swapped for a sleeveless jumper, jersey, 
later on in the game, which I think is a little nod to our rolling up our sleeves to Malay. Mm. But she finished on 24 disposals. She just, to me, she looked like the only player who was actually playing in dry conditions. And on a day when Eb Marinoff didn't quite get, you know, to her normal lofty disposal heights, I thought Anne Hatchard was an absolute cracker. Go the champions. Do you think that Jazzy Garner was doing a little bit of a hornet's nest saying, let us play at your punt road and game yeah. on? Was she, being, was she being facetious like that? Is that how you took it as a tie runner? Oh, absolutely. And I just would have loved to have seen Brendan Gale's face when he had that little grab. I hope someone sent it to him because that, let's be honest, that annoyed the shit out of all of us. <laughs> did it annoy the shit out of you? It did because, I mean, I I love Punt Road. It's it's my favourite place, one of my favourite places in the whole world. But for a final, it's not very fun. It's not the best place to go and watch a game of footy. Uh, hopefully after the redevelopment it will be. And I totally get, like, there was a bit of a uh, thought in my head as, of are they being good bosses and going, you know what, we're going to back our side. This is what's going to play to our strengths. We want to win. We're here to win. Like there's a world in which that is the right thing to say if you're the CEO for that team. But I feel like there was a bigger picture here and I don't know, I sort of thought, Take one for the team, Tags. When we talk about the equity story, though, and so often it irks us and gets under our skin when things happen in the men's game or the women's game that wouldn't happen in the men's game, Mm. they would advocate for a home final in the men's game. And I stand by it that I think that Richmond did what Richmond would do for the men's team, you know, that they would advocate if that's, that's the truth. What I guess irks me or has made me feel like we're being sold a bit of candy is the AFL suggesting that it's not up to them because I feel like in so many other cases, Mm. I mean, even at the moment, we don't know where one of the finals is going to be played and it's being shopped around. So we're not comparing apples and apples at all, are we? No, and I couldn't agree more. And the other part that made it kind of sting a little bit was that Brendan Gale argued for an AFL M final not to be played at Cadinia Park purely based on the fact that it would mean their members were hard done by. So the exact same argument he argued against when it was the AFLM being played, you know, at Cadinia Park. So even on those grounds, I thought, oh, Brendan, you know that this isn't going to be good for your members too. So I don't know. I, I, I found it a bit weird, but I do take your point and I think... It's good to see them at least backing their team in and putting footy first. What were your highlights? Well, I'm going to stick with the Tigers because I couldn't go past Courtney Wakefield. So I was at the Tigers when they first got their AFLW licence. Courtney was uh, an inaugural VFLW player um, in 2018. She was spotted in Bendigo seven weeks after giving birth. Like just incredible. I don't, (laughs) what was she doing (laughs) playing footy seven weeks after? I mean, amazing. What was she doing out of the house? What was she doing out of pyjamas? Like, no judgment, by the way, just that that's, no, that was I'm our experience. But Only admiration. Th- imagine being a, a seven-year-old and not knowing, like, that's all you've known of your mum. That's right? like the most, I, I am just going to watch that child's progression in life <laughs> with so much interest. She's going to go to space or something. I mean, I know women already do that, but still. <laughs> 
Hopefully gonna, not with Elon Musk. She's going to set up AFLW on the moon, basically, in that child. <laughs> AFLW, <laughs> AFL space. AFLM, AFL moon. Oh, the men will lose their minds. <laughs> Courtney's one of those women that I, as a really not sporty person, but also like someone who sits on the sidelines and watches these women do amazing things just by playing sport. I've always admired her because she manages a farm. She has two kids. She is a champion of this game, um, played 30 games now, 31 goals. So to see her kind of, not to use a different metaphor, but pull up stumps, I was uh, sad but kind of very, very pleased for her because she sort of did, even though they lost, they, they went out on a high, their best performance to date. So Courtney Wakefield was my highlight, but also a little bit of sadness seeing her miss out. But, you know, finishing as an All-Australian player as well, um, which I think is just desserts. Is that the right phrase? I've never used that before. Yeah, it sounds delicious too. Let's just have desserts. <laughs> just desserts <laughs> for Courtney Wakefield now that she's retired. <laughs> That's right. She finished the game with a trifle and she's following it up with a cheesecake. (laughs) I also have to mention Caitlin Cox because she started with the Tigers this year coming from the Ruse list and she had a great game, kicked her first ever goal, playing on Emma Carney and just tore it up. And again, you know, in a in a game where they lost, she was really a shining star for them. And I feel like signs of what's to come for the Tigers. Like I think even though they lost, it was just like everybody seemed really happy and with, happy with the progress and happy where they're going to go to. And I have to say I feel very proud of them. Lou, you talked about it, that wet, wet game in Adelaide. I feel like we've come up with a new product for AFLW, which is like AFLW as a as a water sport, as a water sport, <laughs> AFLW water sports. Um, I think it could catch on. It felt like a real metaphor of the AFLW, like everything that could be thrown at these women was thrown at them and they still rose to the occasion. You know, after the games, the coaches talked about, you know, the conversations were let's control what we can control, be it, you know, be our best selves. They really still turned up and went through with all of it. And gave a great game in the end. Like, Mm. I don't even know how you do that. So that to me was just so symbolic. Their resilience, their resilience this year is just incredible. And it's always going to be my highlight for AFLW. My highlight was Katie Brennan, actually, because she's played so well as the captain of Richmond. And I don't know that we've ever really seen KB at the peak of what she can do, but her consistency in this season has been amazing and she is a pure and beautiful goal kicker and it's my belief it might just be what I, you know, I don't have any confirmation of this, but I think that's probably why she moved to the Tigers, that she wanted to be playing in a true forward position. And so I think her getting some of those just desserts, I've really enjoyed that because I think KB early on, and there was a really lovely package that the AFLW um, team put out this week of people in the first season of AFLW doing a little chat about their favourite things and then they caught up with them again. And, you know, seven years is a long time in the life of a footballer. And so I've watched KB's career so closely. She was almost our second or third guest on this podcast. Obviously, I've watched her through Darabin days as well. And I just love seeing she really is a leader and to see her be able to step up and have that consistency in a position that she really wants to play. And she is one of the older players. I love seeing that for her. And she's come back from injury. I think she is 
the kind of heartbeat of the team. And in the other game, I really love Eloise Jones. I can't take my eyes off her. There was this beautiful goal where, you know, the ball got tapped down to her in traffic and she's just so athletic. She really is a standout player, but she's in a team of absolute champions. So I don't think we ever talk about her enough, to mm. be honest. And the, the Crows are so special, to quote Bruce McAvaney, for want of a better word, but no Aaron Phillips, no worries. No Chelsea Randall, no worries. You know, I, I know that they would prefer to have had Chelsea playing and and hopefully concussion protocols mean that she can come back. And in rewatching her stumble last week after she'd, you know, face-planted mm. the ground, I, f- I felt quite sick about that and it worries me. So if she doesn't play Sailor V, but obviously her safety is the most important thing. But I just think that this Crows outfit is so strong across every single line. Collingwood have been pretty magnificent this season and they just couldn't match it with the Crows. So I I, I thought that the Crows just show, again, consistency and that's Mm. something, consistency is something that I'm always aiming for in my my life. So when I see it, I (laughs) I just dip my hat to it. Oh, I've got a question, an actual footy question. Because the do you think Colling- we'll be able to? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna throw it at me. Collingwood make finals, but then they kind of fall over. Are they building or have they plateaued? Like, what do you think of Collingwood actually? Well, interestingly, I think they've had a few changes in key positions, and of course, Brie Davy being out is massive. She's the best. It's hard to know now. She's been out, you know, for so long. She missed these two really important seasons for Collingwood with her ACL. So if she had been in the team, it could have been a really different outcome for them. I think they're building. I I do Mm. think that they're building. When you're comparing them to Adelaide, like you're comparing them to the Death Star, right? (laughs) I think Collingwood uh, need to find more ways to goal. And I think once that happens, that's kind of the missing piece. Eliza James was extraordinary in the final last week, kicking four, which was a record. And I think it was great to see that she kicked their only goal. I actually, I felt bad for them. I don't think they had the opportunity to really show what they could do on the weekend. And because Adelaide had got those early two goals in those conditions, that was a massive advantage. But we've seen so many other games where teams have had slow starts and have been able to get back into it. I think if the weather had been different, if the conditions had been different, if the ground was able to drain away that water um, faster, it would have been game on because it really was game on. Even though there wasn't a goal scored in that last quarter, it was an incredibly close game. I would love to see Collingwood recruit someone like what Melbourne's done with Taylor Harris. Mm. And you put Tay in there and then all of a sudden you have – Kate Hoare is such a beautiful goal sneak and she she kicks so many goals. But to have someone who can distract, because I'd love to see Chloe Malloy have one of those breakout seasons where she's just pinging so many goals. But I don't think she has that opportunity in the current forward line of Collingwood. And I would hate to see her miss that opportunity because I think she's a superstar to watch and uh, such a beautiful goal kicker as well. And we've seen it in the VFLW before she started playing in the AFLW. When talking about Lou, you're right, the ball was so heavy. The ground was so unforgiving. There was so much water on the ground after that. You know, it was, I don't know how the Duckworth-Lewis system works, but there should have been some kind of 
Duckworth Lewis or something. Or to, just a duck. Just to, there just was duck. probably some ducks, you know. And a poor anyway. pony. Hey, can I just give throw in another highlight, which is not AFLW related, but last night watching the T20 World Cup, I saw Rana Hussein on the big screen at the MCG. Rana, it was so, I'm going to tear up talking about it. It was so phenomenal to watch your journey as a key entertainer and MC and ground announcer throughout this incredible series. And to see you up on the big screen last night, it was, it meant so much to us, but all I can imagine is it must have meant so much to so many people in your orbit. Can you tell us what the response has been like and what it felt like for you? I have to say, when you started the pod singing the Pina Colada song, I thought this is very apt because that song is about a cheating couple. And <laughs> I felt like I was cheating on the AFLW this weekend, <laughs> um, spending all my weekend with the T20, of course, on official duties. And Oh, I mean, I missed, I definitely missed being at Pump Road, but to be on the MCG talking to 80,000 people on the big microphone, on the big screen was phenomenal. But really, honestly, getting messages and hearing from people who were at the ground who said things like, I felt so seen. It made me feel really proud to see one of us up there. I mean, and, you know, and by that I mean woman, a brown woman, a Muslim woman, to, to feel like we were represented, to be able to give that back to my community was such a big deal for me, I can't even tell you. And, you know, the cherry on top of that is that this T20 final was a bit of a replay of the 1992 World Cup, ODI World Cup, and I was there at the MCG England versus Pakistan. I was six years old in the crowd. And so then when I walked along the boundary and a little <laughs> a little girl gave me a high five after seeing me on the big screen and, you know, excited to see me there, it, I, I, I can't even put it into words. It was amazing. Uh, it was a huge leap for me, like just, you know, never having done anything like that before, uh, talking into a microphone is never easy so then to do it and do it you know be as excited as possible when your feet are aching and you've been on your feet for six hours um was hard but it was god it was the best thing ever (laughs) where were you um when the pre-match entertainment was happening with Ivor Davies and a cast of the most stunning and incredible musicians that supported Ice House in presenting what was a beautiful global presentation of some pretty Australian anthems. I was right on the boundary line watching it all up close and I just thought I am so grateful and so lucky And the thing I've really loved about it and this T20 in particular is that there's been a real concerted effort to, I guess, hold up a mirror to what Australian society really looks like, particularly from a cultural diversity point of view. Cricket is a world game and and this is the World Cup. So, of course, you would do that. And I loved that pregame entertainment because it was like such an Aussie song and band. And then to kind of blend it in with all these other cultures kind of coming together. It sounds really naff, but it was so beautiful. And I totally bought it. Not naff at all. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really beautiful. And I think that it should be aspirational for AFL, even though it's not a global game. I think that that's, that it's a real lesson that our game 
can learn to to kind of embrace all of the cultures and to make sure that they are front and centre. I think it could really change the discourse when we talk about our game, we want, we want to have more eyes on it, right? Totally. And I, I do feel like often with AFLW and there's, re- there's real reasons for this. So this is not a dig necessarily, but I do kind of find myself impatient for, okay, like let, what about other representatives? You know, when are, when are the rest of us going to get there? And, and, you know, you both know I've been knocking on the door of representation and visibility, you know, opportunities to be a face for different communities in broadcast uh, and they don't always come through. People don't look at someone like me and think that's the host of a show or that's, you know, the lead on a panel show. People don't see that and, you know, maybe that's some of my skill set but, you know, I have to believe some of that is just because I don't look like what's come before me. So to be able to do that and to, to show people that it's possible, like that was truly, truly my aim to kick down that door and say, right, this is possible now, replicate it again, do it again. And I've been in sporting, you know, some of this is in the control of the sports themselves and some of it's in broadcasters and other venue industries and um, entertainment industries. But even just that concept that Australia is diverse and deserves you know, proper representation. I've said that in boardrooms, in meeting rooms, you know, closed door rooms, and it kind of lands on deaf ears. And then when I say it on offsiders or turn up on a big screen, people turn up and listen and they take it to heart. And so often, you know, in sport and in AFL, you get kind of sledges under the cuff comments around, oh, media straight and there's the whole tall poppy syndrome. But I just go, you know what, but when I turn up, that's when you all listen. So I'm going to keep doing that. It's funny how we, you know, we talk about you can't be what you can't see. And we often think about that being from um, the ground level up. We actually need it top down as well to take the chance and to take the risk and put yourself in a situation that is uncomfortable because I'm sure it's not comfortable to sit on offsiders for the first time or the fifth time. And I'm sure it's not comfortable to have your first big match day hosting in front of 80,000 people either. So that takes courage. And I hope that what that does, one of the impacts, it's not just that little six-year-old that gave you a high five. I hope that it's people in positions, um, decision-making positions that see that and see the potential too. I totally agree, Lou. I had an amazing dinner on Friday night and one of the first people I saw at the dinner was uh, Isha Gua. And I asked her how Australia ranked when she travels the world, which she does all the time with cricket and tennis. And I said, how, you know, in terms of how we're going with this kind of diversity and inclusion stuff. And she just looked at me with the saddest eyes. And I thought of her last night when I was watching the pregame game and I thought, oh, I really hope this goes some way (laughs) to changing her mind about us. And I hoped that, and I wished that she would definitely see you up on the big screen. (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Emma Carney and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. So just uh, wrapping up our AFLW newsy part of the uh, podcast, Friday night at Metricon, we'll see the Lions take on the Crows and Saturday 3.10 at Prinny Park, the D's and North. Bring it on. These are going to be cracking <laughs> games. I feel like we've been so spoiled. I feel like all of them have been incredible and I don't think these ones are going to let us down. Lacey, have you got some self-care organised ahead of this? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm just excited. I honestly think when you get to this part of the season, it's really hard. It's really hard to win finals. It's really hard to be the last two teams standing and they're really hard to win. So you got to celebrate the the wins along the way. I truly think it's Brisbane's to lose. I think Brisbane uh, have just sent, set the standard. I clearly <laughs> adore the D's and would love to see somebody just a different, some different colours take out the AFLW grand final this year. But Kesarasara. Every time I think about these finals and I close my eyes and all I can see is Daisy Pierce's face and I just want a smiling Daisy Pierce at the end of all of this. I don't know she will be regardless. But I really want that trophy for her. So do I. It's so romantic, isn't it? And there's that moment. I mean, the prelims are like when the rehearsal dinner is better than the wedding. That's what I imagine this weekend's going to be like. But the grand final, regardless of who gets in there, is going to be an absolute cracker. I think you're right about uh, Brisbane. They are an absolute phenomenon and it can't be Brisbane and Adelaide. So you would imagine uh, no disrespect to North, but the Ds have been on quite the quite the path. Mm. You feel like when Daisy Pierce is this close and the whole Ds outfit is this close to it, everything's still possible. But there's that moment in grand finals where when it slips away, it just has never felt further away, right? Mm, so the stress true. of that, the anxiety of that, we really shouldn't jinx anyone. Mm, <laughs> and don't don't ever so turn sorry. your back on North because no. they are an exceptional team and they, you know, they didn't finish top four, but they had such a hard draw and they've played everybody in the top eight. So they I don't think it's gonna be one sided. And they're so hungry and they're so fierce. It's going to be a weekend of amazing football. Let's roll up our sleeves and melee. Hmm. First topic, there is breaking news happening while we're talking, which I'm just ignoring. We'll get to that. We'll stick a pin in that. Uh, Location, location, location. Is it a sweet quirk of the AFLW that we don't know where the grand final is going to be? Or do you think that we're old enough and wise enough now that this needs to be locked in? Like, I've been raw dogging my diary, which means I keep turning up to things <laughs> at the wrong time. Um, did someone raw dog the finals and forget to book a venue? <laughs> I really need to sit down with whoever organises this stuff and actually get an honest answer about how far in advance you have to book a venue because it does feel like people can make things happen if they really want to, right? But at the same time, I assume there are processes and things like a little bit adjacent to it at different times, knowing that there's so many moving parts. So there's a part of me that went into this season going, well, this is going to be a hot mess and whatever comes, I'll just have to take it. 
but it all hinges on it going seamlessly next season. Like I feel like this season was always going to be a bit of a write-off in terms of logistics, but I will abide that if next year it is perfect for me. You know, the fact that AFLW Grand Finals can move around based on who Mm. finishes higher on the ladder means that you basically need to make a booking at a variety of stadiums each year. And, I mean, but for the Demons kicking an extra point, it would be a moot point. You know, that yeah. Marvel would be available. But for them kicking icon, a moot point. A moot point. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was good. Very good. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing is if Adelaide wins this weekend, doesn't matter. I'm sure yeah. there's a ground in Adelaide. What, what, what? No, just what is curious to me, we've all got these curious <laughs> opinions about it, is that if you were going to book for anyone, you would book for Brisbane, right? Mm, like that yeah. that on paper, still looking really, really sharp and Well, likely. Guns N' Roses got in first. So Guns N' Roses will be at Metricon and we know that groundskeeper Willie at the Gabba is not a fan of letting football anywhere near the pitch. I mean, this is this is also probably part of the, the turf wars of mm. the AFL who – really try to assert their dominance over the sporting conversation, sporting landscape in the country, then can't really ask cricket to come to the party and help out because I'm assuming that they've annoyed people. Yeah, that whole uh, AFLW in the summer might be coming back to bite them, you know, taking up January. But this has been a problem in the past. So, you know, we had an issue with the Gabba not being available previously because of of cricket in the past. It, it, It doesn't matter what, like which angle you come at it, the bottom line is this always feels like an afterthought and that's what's just grating me. Like, I get, you know, we're seven seasons in now. Like, let's refresh, sit down and do it properly, Mm. right? Am I being too hopeful or too naive? I don't know. It's so frustrating. Well, I'm not a fan of, you know, I'd seen stories this weekend that there's been talk about playing the game in Cairns. I'm not sure that that's a home ground advantage necessarily for the Lions. You know, far north Queensland, Cairns is... I mean, my geography is terrible, but Cairns is almost as far away from Brisbane as uh, Melbourne is. And I also don't think it necessarily respects the fans. I mean, it's it's great if you live in far north Queensland, but I don't know that that's where the majority of AFLW fans are. And the reality is that for many people, it's just not possible to book a flight and go to a game in Cairns one, with one week's notice. The thing with AFLW or anything really, but for those kind of on and off fans, they will tune in for finals, right? So it serves you well to at least get settled and kind of lock stuff in and be ready for finals and really promote that because people will start to tune back in then. And it's been so quiet. There's just been very few anything around it. That brings me to my next melee question, which is Magic Round. What is it and why is it being launched during the AFLW finals, Lucy? Well, I. I kind of wondered whether it was, you know, we've always called it AFL-M, thinking it was men's, but may it's, maybe it's AFL-more, more games, because, you know, let's have another round, said no one ever, except we now have another round in the men's football um, that will be taking the place of the last preseason game. Um, so there'll be 23 games of home and away 
footy for the men. It's going to, it's something that's been taken from NRL, which is why you probably haven't heard of Magic Round. Um, and they don't want to call it Magic Round because that is taking the name from the NRL. But it's where basically all nine games will be played in one state. And so it's a bit of a festival of footy, but in one state. Um, it's going to put about half a million dollars back into every football club and that'll go back into their soft caps. So the this first iteration of it will happen probably around round five where South Australia is going to host all nine games and there'll be venues around the state, including the Barossa. So the AFL have put out a, a call. They're trying to work out what to call this thing. I was actually wondering if they should call it AFL Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should. Think you're onto something there. The thing that kills me about what you just said, Lucy, is that I remember when there was a multicultural round in AFL and then they got rid of it and there was so much conversation around the fact that there are too many rounds and too many concepts and themes. Let's just get back to kind of regular footy. And then this happens and AFLX happens and you just go, you don't care. You don't care at all. What makes it really hard to stomach, of course, is that there seems to be a belief from the people who make the decisions that AFLW fans are a bunch of whingers that are not grateful for anything. And the one thing that the players have been absolutely begging for is more games in the W. And so then to see them launch an additional round in the men's during the finals, I just wonder what process, what PR process does that go through that that anyone says, oh, yeah, no flies on that because that's where it really smarts. And so I, I don't know if the only time that they realise that this is going to land really poorly in the gender equity conversation is once they've pressed play on it and then all of a sudden they see Twitter outraged again and then that means that we're all back at our keyboards trying to battle for ground in trying to advocate through 145 characters for the players that we love. It's like a form of gaslighting because it makes me feel crazy. I feel like I'm losing my mind. I keep thinking, what's wrong with me? What? How come I, I not? I, how can I not understand this? But then I speak to you and you all kind of reaffirm that what I'm thinking is not uh, bananas. What we're starting to realise is that AFL, the W in AFLW is could stand for wait, just keep waiting, or where? <laughs> where will we play next week? And, and that's, you know, I'm being silly. I'm joking because I like playing with it. I particularly <laughs> like playing with AFLM. It's fun to just tweet it occasionally and clean up your mentions, but um, clean up your followers. <laughs> Not that Twitter's a thing anymore, but you know, it's just frustrating. It's FLW, that frustrating thing. FLW whenever, wherever is what oh, we've like dubbed that. it. Brought to you by Shakira. What you sing yeah. it. Whenever, sing it, Rana. We are meant to be together at a big ground and where we can all fish. Who's got breasts like mountains? <laughs> but honestly. <laughs> Whose hips don't lie? But honestly, you know, that that actually is the attitude of, AFLW players and also AFLW fans, like whenever, wherever, we will turn up, we will make the most of it. We will absolutely, like the players, you don't really hear them complain. They just 
they do it and deal with all of that uncertainty and the fans do too and Mm. so um I just think at some point you've got to start putting things in place so we're not asking too much of of players and crowds. You're right Emma in that it is becoming clear that there's some kind of real disconnect in the organization itself between the leagues. I reckon I see that at clubs too and there's just some this I don't know what what needs to happen there if it's the leadership teams need to sit down together and go right we are one big team we are one big league actually we need to service these properly but they are just so siloed it feels like and these decisions tell you that similarly to uh, the minute silence when um, Queen Elizabeth died and you know it was one rule that was just applied to everybody in the AFLW and then that completely didn't work Like just what's the line of communication? And I know I always feel a little bit uncomfortable because, you know, I we know that you never fully know what is going on behind closed doors. There are always a million moving parts and we don't have the privilege of knowing that. And there are things that can't always be as transparent as possible. But after a while, you're right. Like you just read, you can only really read the room and take what's given to you and what's given to us is pretty clear that this is an afterthought. Rani, you and I have both done the same leadership course in which they measure how reactive and how creative you are in your responses to things that happen and and how you uh, model and curate your leadership style. What I just keep seeing is that everything feels reactionary. It never feels creative. It always feels really reactionary. And it it also feels quite defensive. The fans are so dedicated to AFLW that when they push for more, it's just because they want to love it more. They just want more opportunities to love it more. It's And it might sound needy, but I also think that we don't need to be grateful all the time. And I'm not sure that, that that kind of filters in at the at the highest levels I don't know if it does at Clubland maybe it does at Clubland I think it does and there's <clears throat> excuse me I think it does and obviously the bigger the organization and the governing body is a different system to the club system the clubs are more agile and can make decisions much more quickly less stakeholders all of that but at the end of the day like you're saying the feedback is an opportunity to bring that in and build on that, you know, instead of keeping us out on the outer, having to raise our voices, what would it look like to bring people in and consult more and and really canvas how we feel and what we want? I think that'd be really useful. That, That would be good leadership to me. In what's going to go down in history as the very worst segue I've ever done, you just said bring people in. Turns out the Australian police have brought some people in. Over a betting, <laughs> over a betting scandal, including an umpire. We've just read that's been the breaking news while we've been recording this. That this story was reported earlier today. It's to do with the Brownlow that some that an insider who knew about how some of the votes had gone in some of the rounds of the AFLM this season had uh, informed people allegedly, allegedly outside of the in a circle of how some of the votes had gone. We're seeing the this story break as as we're talking, Lou. What have you got an update there? The only update I have is that um so earlier today it was, you know, when this story was first reported, there was an alleged AFL insider mentioned. 
it seems like allegedly that is an AFL umpire. There was, in those earlier stories, there was no suggestion that Cripps's win was impacted, but there was this one quote from the Victoria Police that said, Victorians are well known for their love of AFL and in particular the prestigious Brownlow Medal Award, but equally they want to know that there is integrity, fairness and honesty behind this award. I found that like a little bit interesting if it was just in terms of giving people information for them to to bet on it. But what this story did do for me is really just reminded me of the insidious link of gambling and AFL. That's something that that's a story that is ongoing and there's been a number of um, new surveys and there's been a number of stories in the, in the media over the past few months about that. There was The Age did a survey a few months ago of club bosses and mentioned, canvassed their thoughts on a whole lot of things. One of them was on the link between or the sponsorship of, of um, AFL by betting companies and 11 out of 16 of the club bosses said they were unhappy with the level of ga- gambling advertising. Um, they called it excessive and concerning, particularly that it's changing the way that young people watch the game. And then another recent study has revealed that just the money that gambling companies, betting companies are spending on advertising is growing enormously. It was $287.2 million in 2021, which is up $15.9 million on 2020. So that's it. That's a huge increase. And for any of us who are engaging with football on TV, who are looking up things on websites, who are reading articles. When I read this article on The Age online about this this scandal today, I had a betting account ad pop up in the middle of that story. So <laughs> it, that doesn't surprise me. I think what we've also seen is that the spend by people on online gambling has gone up 30% since 2019 and the biggest group that it's affecting is men between 18 and 24. So it's it's a huge issue. I think it's one of the most pressing issues that is facing the AFL, but because a sports betting account is one of the major sponsors, I think they will wring their hands and they'll get oh, this is this is terrible. And, you know, even to think about this story, yes, this is terrible. Why does that happen? Because people have become involved in gambling because it causes people to do desperate things. And it, it frustrates me that we expect individuals to be able to resist just the enormous advertising and, and the enormously addictive apps and interfaces that have been designed to basically influence your behaviour. It's a really good point, Lou, because I read the other day uh, in The Age, there was an article in The Age that gambling companies could be banned from sponsoring professional sport. There was a proposal put forward that was backed by 62% of voters from football, netball and cricket kind of communities where there is growing support to kind of get rid of gambling sponsorships and this spells real disaster for the AFL if that sentiment does grow I mean those stats that you just quoted actually a little bit disheartening because I thought we were trending in that direction where people were more and more disgruntled by this but that tells me maybe we're not or we're not there yet or we're not at tipping point but it does look like you know like cigarettes before 
gambling and oil companies potentially could go down that path if there is that groundswell of support to kind of get rid of them in terms of sponsorships and advertising. And I wonder if the AFL are actually thinking about that, like if they really read the tea leaves right on that, because it does seem like there's more and more voice now to the fact that this is very damaging for our society. And I do wonder if they're starting to think about it because that is like a huge amount of money that they get from this industry. Surely they'd be war rooming that situation. I'm always overwhelmed by the insincerity of the ads followed by gamble responsibly. Mm. <laughs> it feels so weird. You're trying to sell me something and then you tell me to do it responsibly, which is targeted at people, the responsibly part is targeted at the people who probably have no control over doing it responsibly. Mm. Well, and there are some changes have been, um, I think they're they're coming in where that little tagline is going to be swapped around there's going to be three different taglines because they're rearranging taglines on the titanic (laughs) brilliant that is brilliant from you i also really liked it when you said that it increased by a big amount i saw you try to try to do the percentage in your head but you (laughs) couldn't get it done and then you just said a big amount and i am totally here for that great Uh, also shout out to you because you got your favorite scoreline during the the finals on the weekend would yeah, you like to share Hastings. anyone with what that is? Oh, I think everyone knows, don't they? Ten six sixty six. You should get Battle that as Hastings. a tattoo. You should get that as a your say, tattoo. Please tattoo that. Tattoo that for somewhere. sure. No, that would be an awkward tattoo. Get the tattoo. I don't like instead. War. Let's get to some final business. I hope that it's okay if I say this: that Jess is up the duffin. <laughs> Turns out Jess Duffin has retired and she's already cooking one in the bread basket, the very same bread basket she took all of those amazing marks with. It makes me think she's like Serena Williams who performed at an absolute peak when she was pregnant and here's Jessie Duffin, she's cooking a little baby boy in there which was just announced on socials today. So massive kudos. Congratulations, Jess Duffin and partner. Beautiful news. It's really lovely. It's AFLB, AFL baby. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say congratulations to Dean Rioli, who became the first Indigenous board member at the Essendon Football Club this week. Congratulations. Progress. Yay. I. This is a weird one for me, but I'm going to table it anyway. There is a friend in my life who is a man who has always been very anti-AFLW and I just found myself taking him on as a personal mission to just get him to slightly open up and take in the joy of AFLW. And over the weekend he texted me and said, I've really enjoyed this. And I thought, I've just chipped away at you. Just, and every time he came back with, but what about, I just said, just try it, just just give it a go. But no, but it's joyful, but it's, it's good. It's just good. And then it made me think of, I don't know if you do this, but it made me think of an ad I'd like to make <laughs> at TVC. And I thought it could just be like little vignettes. And the first one would be off off the word good. And the first one would be like a bunch of blokes at an AFLW game and they turn to each other and go, good game. And then it's a family at Auskick or Darabin Falcons or something going, good sport. And then umpire saying, good sports, because our AFLW players are good sports. At a themed round, whether it's Carlton Respects or Pride, good cause. 
and then someone, a family at a game saying, good fun. And then AFLW, it's good because it's just Ooh. good. Did you want to put a little trademark on that yeah. as you send it out into the world? I should have just sold that to someone. <laughs> Get the stamp out. I like it. I just thought just chip away at people. It's good in so many ways. We don't have to sell it on anything else. It is just good. Mm. Can we have good mullet in there yes. and Nina Morrison? Perfection. Or Paxi. Or Paxi. Yes. Um, my shout-out for Final Business is a shout-out to Sam Duncan and Casey Simons, both doctors in their own right, uh, for their work on actually doing a research paper about the outer sanctum. Sam Duncan this week took that research and presented it in Las Vegas, baby. So the 10 of us were talked about in at the North American Society for the Sociology of Sport, which is wild, like just wild. wild. It yep. makes me laugh so much. I feel like, you know, when Megan Gale went overseas and got really famous in <laughs> Italy because she was so hot and then people noticed it, I feel like it's just a matter of yeah. time till we are hosting 360 now that we've been at the North Ameri- American Conference for the Society of Sport or whatever it's called. I wonder if we'll get any invitations from overseas podcasts. And it was Las oh. Vegas, right? It was Mike Tyson there? I don't know. Celine Dion was. Celine said hi. (laughs) Katie would love that. Is there any other final business before we get out of here? I'm good to go. I really hope Tess ends the the podcast with Shakira singing, Wherever, 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 we're meant to be together. I'll be there and you'll be near. (laughs) That's the deal, my dear. All right, there's only one thing left to say and that is go go footy. footy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.